breaks. That's the title. It's fun tonight. Alright. So, we're talking about tonight. A little controversial, right? I might say some things that sound a little controversial. It's not because I want to. I'm not someone who enjoys controversy, right? But I feel like it's necessary. And um, I want to do my best to communicate this message to you guys. So, to start off the first thing, um, just to sort of segue into it, did anyone else watch the Super Bowl last Sunday? Was it just me? Okay, a couple other people. Alright, alright. Alright, who here didn't watch it? Yeah, the Chiefs won. All the Swifties were happy. Yay. I know. Um, this is my first time watching the Super Bowl actually to watch the game. Um, in the past, I was that person who would go to Super Bowl watch parties for the food. Or if it was a corner that I liked, it was a halftime show. But usually it's not something that I care to watch. But also, like, they always do some new funny commercials, right? Like, um, an iconic one that comes to mind is um, Puppy Baby Monkey. I do not remember what they were advertising, but that thing was stuck in my head. <laughs> Puppy Baby Monkey, don't they not? But this year, you know, they did it. They, they made another commercial for our attention. Alright. And it's not social, okay? And, you know, I haven't seen it all over my Facebook feed. I don't care if it makes me sound old. It's on my Facebook feed. Maybe it's the old people making a post, who knows? But everyone seems to have a hot take about it. Alright? The commercial is depicted people who society deemed to be enemies or not getting along. Um, and the one that is usually perceived as the offender was washing the feet of the one who's usually perceived as the offender or her person. Alright, there are a lot of simplistic stereotypes. Alright, there was the priest washing the feet of the gay man. There was a police officer washing the feet of a black man. There was a church lady washing the feet of a girl outside the abortion clinic. There were a lot of images. I'm not going to get into all of them. He's a lot of examples. Alright, at the end of the commercial, there were these words up on the screen. It says, He gets us. All of us. Jesus. And people were so loud about this ad, you guys. Some people love it. Some people really hate it. And some people think the money that was spent to make it should have gone for like feeding hungry people, which I don't disagree, right? And some people liked it because they saw a lifestyle that they identified with and were like, oh, I feel validated, well vindicated. Some people really hated it because their religious values they felt like they were kind of cracking on, right? And to be honest, I really wanted to ignore it. Right? I was like, you know, I'm not my service, it's not my own piece. Whatever. I don't want to have anything on this. I don't want to wade in the weeds and try to figure out what was good about it, what was bad about it. And it's, I don't think he's a Super Bowl ad, you know, to commercialize a partial gospel. Alright, I'm the commission says, we can make disciples, baptize them, teach them Jesus' commands, right? Not commercials on the TV. So I think it's not fine. But I have to be honest, there's still something that just wasn't sitting right with me. So I kind of thought what they were trying to say, there's still something lacking in communication. And, you know, I wasn't supposed to preparing for the sermon to, like, click what was not settling right with me. And you see, the, the images in the ad, they were supposed to be mirroring the story that we read about when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Right? But we have to remember why he did this. Right? There's a little much he gets us. And it's true, Jesus does get us. He understands pain, he understands temptation, he sees our hearts. You know, he has enough love for us 
We will in perfect sacrifice to atone for all of our brokenness and our messiness. But Jesus didn't wash the disciples' feet because he gets us. He actually did it because we don't get him. Right? The disciples, that now when he washed their feet, they didn't get it. That was 2,000 years ago. And tonight, we don't, we don't really get it. And so we're going to talk about the spirit of this point of submission. You know, what it is that Jesus was trying to communicate to us that we, we didn't get. And that's a scary word to a lot of us, right? To submit, like giving up, is that kind of a weak thing to do? And it's a very difficult discipline for most of us. We enjoy our free will. We like to do as we please, live as we want. Jesus does get us. He understands that about us. But we fail to understand how even though Jesus is perfect and all-powerful, he can actually live a pretty submissive life. How could the God of the universe live a submissive life? Everybody drops back to the for the answer, right? There's so many names in scripture. The first one we're going to look at is in John chapter 13, verses 3 through 17. The iconic feet washing scene, right? Some context that you're not familiar. This is taking place during what we refer to as the Last Supper. Of course, they call it that. It's just supper, right? Um, it took, took place right before the Passover festival, which makes sense because afterward Jesus was um, crucified as the ultimate um, Passover sacrifice, sacrificial lamb. Right? So Jesus and the disciples are all gathered together, sitting down for dinner. And Jesus, of course, he knew that his time was coming. He knew that Jesus was about to go and betray him. And then we'll start with verse 3. As Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returned to God. Let's sit here for a minute. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returned to God. Jesus knew the place that he rightfully deserved to be. It wasn't washing feet. This is a rightfully deserved place, isn't it? Or it is sitting at the right hand of the Father to sit on a throne in heaven to be clothed in glory. That's where Jesus deserves to be. Where he came from, it's where he returned to, it's where he sits now and we would never come back. It's actually beneath him to take on flesh. It was beneath him to have to walk everywhere, to have to sweat, you know? It was beneath him to wash his couple's feet. So why did he do it? Why did he choose to humble himself so much? Jesus came to set an example for us. He's our perfect example of how we ought to live. When we humble ourselves, we're closer to God. Closer to God, that's where Jesus is. Jesus has every authority in heaven and on earth. He has the power and ability to do anything. But he chooses to limit himself for our sake. His love for us and his covenant with us. Jesus chose to submit to the Father, and to local authorities, and in an act of service, he washed his disciples' feet for a teaching moment. Alright, so we'll pick back up in verse 4. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, 
You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then the woman saw her feet replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said, Not everyone. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do that. I don't know if you guys are wondering why foot washing is a thing here, because, you know, if I told you guys to take off your shoes and socks to wash your feet, you'd be like, no, no, that's not normal here. <laughs> we wash our feet, right? we wear socks, we wear feet clean. Um, but for Jesus and the disciples, they wore sandals, and everywhere they walked was on their roots. Their feet were going to be dirty. It was also customary for Jewish people to clean themselves before eating. Um, they couldn't eat unclean foods, and they weren't supposed to be unclean and dirty while eating. But the point of this was not for Jesus to follow the ceremonial Jewish law for them to be clean, but he wanted them to learn a spiritual value from this. Now we see as he approached Peter, which I don't know about you guys, but like if we get anyone, I feel like we get Peter. You know, this you know, kind of attitude, it's kind of brash. We can allow ourselves to Peter. And he was appalled that Jesus would wash his feet. This was his teacher, who deserved to be sitting at the head of the table with some servant or somebody else washing his feet. For him to like, sit on the floor and wash Peter's feet, he thought that would be offensive or, or insulting that Jesus would have to do that. When Peter says, Are you going to wash my feet? It kind of reminds me of like sometimes when we tell one of our friends about to do something that we don't want them to do or don't approve of. We ask them a question rhetorically, you know, like, Elijah, are you about to eat the last donut? You know, it's not asking him, I don't want an answer, I want you to not eat the last donut, right? That's what I feel like Peter's doing here. Which makes sense why Jesus doesn't actually answer his question, he's just like, okay, whatever. And he says, you don't understand why I'm doing this now, but you will later. And Peter very firmly objects, because he wants to point out, that you will never wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. I just want to make you know how important this is. But Peter, being so overzealous and kind of mad, he said, well then, you know, wash my hands and my head too. And Jesus explains that a person who's had a bath is only looking at feet. The rest of them is clean. And he says, not every one of you. Right? He's not just concerned about ceremonial cleanliness, but the souls of those who are present, teaching about how to be spiritually rather than how to be physically. When he was finished washing his feet, he got dressed, returned to the place, he explained why he did it. So the thing that acknowledged him as the teacher, they should learn from him. You know, you're really my students, grab your pen and paper. I'm trying to teach you something right now, listen. As he washed their feet, I must also wash another's feet. That he set an example. Jesus is our example. And in doing 
is to show them something about themselves and to teach them how they should be. No servant is greater than his master, nor the messenger than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You know, they've heard Jesus say something very similar to this before. Um, we read about it in um, Mark chapter 10, verses 42 45. Um, Jesus said, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever will be great among you must be your servant, and whoever must be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. For even Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Be an example for us. You know, we know that Jesus is greater than all of us. He's trying to show us how we should regard one another. You know, he's obviously not saying he's not greater than the disciples, but he's showing us how making love, making oneself lowly for the benefit of others. That we should view others in an honoring way. Presuming they should look how they ought to behave in submission to others, because we're not greater than somebody else. He's showing us what the kingdom of God looks like. Now, the world that we live in is full of all of these artificial image structures, right? Social structures, governmental structures, hierarchies on hierarchies, all of which are contrary to God's heart for us. And just to show us the kingdom of God and how it's an upside down kingdom, where the king has knelt before the common people and washed their feet, the servant king. And it's not kind of oxymoronic because the king is subject to no one and a servant is required to do the will of his master. But Jesus is showing us a holy way to live, not just physically but spiritually. And it's a way that offers us freedom to wield our free will with humility, that we would choose to humbly submit even when it's not required of us. And when it is required of us, we might choose to have a humble posture as we obey. Another example we see in Jesus' Son of Slavic's mission is found in Matthew chapter 5. Um, I'm going to read verses 38 through 42. He says, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Even when confronted with wrong behavior in others and evil behavior in others, we should live submissively and to offer more than what is demanded of us. When he says, when somebody forces you to go one mile, go for two miles, he's referring to how Roman soldiers were kind of kind of jerks, and they would really just assert their authority and abuse that power over civilians, and they just toss their gear to some guy that's like, you're carrying this one, let's go. And then they have to do it. And Jesus is saying, if he asks you to go one mile, go an extra mile. Not because that person deserves it, but because then you're living like Jesus, where you will find who Jesus is. 
And I feel the need to, to mention something that's really prevalent um, in church culture right now, unfortunately. Um, this is that I'm talking about, you know, Jesus just said, even this person is abusing their power, be kind to them. Go get to my for them. And sinful people abuse the power that they have. And we have a choice in how we respond. We can either rear our heads in defiance, or we can be obedient to Jesus. And many people have tried to use teachings on submission to abuse their power, to wield their authority over others and manipulate and hurt people, which is completely contrary to what submission is supposed to be. And there have been so many churches and ministries that have had this happen. And they're failing the spiritual discipline of submission because they themselves are entangled in the sin of their own pride. And this is sort of a side note, but I mean, I, I feel like it's necessary to tell you guys if you see a brother or a sister behaving in this way, it's our responsibility to call them to repent. Say, hey man, this is not glorifying Jesus, this is hurting other people, especially if it's church leadership or ministry leadership. You should call them out and say, hey, I see what you're doing, this isn't okay. If they refuse to repent, go to their leadership. It's not the same thing as shoving a sack of beer back in their face, right? To wield power and authority over other people is in direct contradiction to what Jesus taught us. When we see the world in ourselves, myself included, and ensure that we are living in submission to Jesus' commands and his will, that we would love other people radically, that we wouldn't impose our own opinions and preferences over another person. That's not the same as calling someone to repent, right? about opinions and preferences. To call someone to repent is living in submission to the will of God. We should never live to serve our own egos or to defend our own ideas. In everything, we should seek Jesus. When we live in submission to Jesus, it's not following other people into sinful things, but submitting as Jesus taught us should lead us away from sin. It should lead us away from pettiness and drama and divisions, and it should lead us into toward Christ's righteousness and peace and love. Submission starts with the attitude in our hearts, and it goes out through the actions that we take. Now it's not a weakness, it's not allowing ourselves to be walked all over. Because of our own free will, we should choose to live like Jesus. First Peter chapter two, verses twenty through twenty-three says, "To this you are called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in His mouth. When they hurled their insults at Him, He did not retaliate. When He suffered, He made no threats. Instead, He entrusted Himself." To him who judges justly. And trust himself to him who judges justly. Likewise, we should trust God who judges justly. If someone else is abusing power, God would take care of them. We've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. When unjust things happen, we're not to repay evil for evil, but to practice the spiritual discipline of submission to Jesus. We're going to go one step with him when we walk side by side with him in humble servitude, 
We need to see others the way that he sees them. We can either have this kingdom operates where all of mankind finds true equality as we were intended by our Creator. When we live out through this plan of submission, we begin to walk in freedom. Yes, freedom and liberation. Not just to have an attitude of martyrdom, it's not just to be a pity party, like I'm suffering for the kingdom is awful. But when we choose to live with a submissive spiritual posture, we realize the authority we are obeying is the Lord. It's God inviting us to walk in submission to His authority. This is where we find freedom. Maybe it's difficult for us to really understand our cultural context, just how freeing this is. But the ancient Greeks, it was radical. Right? Today, we get up in arms when we read that the Apostle Paul said that wives should submit to their husbands, that children should obey their parents, and that slaves should obey their, their earthly masters. We get so triggered that Paul would affirm that these members of society were to be subjected to other people. But no one ever gave me the choice before. Women, children, and slaves were afforded no choice in the matter of our society. But Paul addressed them as freely while agents, giving them a choice. He gave them a responsibility to choose to walk in the way of Jesus. He didn't command them to sink back from society to sign roles. He made decision makers out of those who had no legal or moral status in the culture. But the gospel teaches us that our only true authority is God. Paul didn't urge voluntary subordination because that was their place in life and they should just fall in line. Because living a humble and submissive life is pleasing to the Lord. That's the example that Christ set for us. The gospel makes it very clear that we don't belong under the foot of another human being. You know, people who wield social or political power. We're to submit to the Lord our God in obedience and love for Him. I know I keep saying that there's freedom and liberation when we submit to God. Everyone, how is their freedom and liberation and submission feels like the opposite of that, right? But when we lay down our will and what we think is right and wrong, it gives us the ability to lay down the terrible burden of always needing to get our own way. And submission, instead of getting angry and things don't go our way, we can just say, okay, and trust in God. You know, it, it frees us and enables us to distinguish between genuine issues and our own southern will. Submission helps us not be continually offended by everything we hear and read on the internet or in person. It helps us not to take criticism personally and getting offended. It opens our eyes to what it looks like to live gracefully. It allows us to consider others more, to respect people more. We're free to value other people more than our own opinions. And preferences. People are more powerful than our opinions and preferences. We discover that it's far better to serve our neighbor than to have our own life. Jesus is inviting us to submit, not because we're required by the social hierarchy, but because we'll understand who we love more. Jesus didn't just die across death, but he also lived across life. As he commanded his, he commanded his followers, us, to do the same. He said, anyone that should follow me must pick up his cross. 
that the cost requires putting down offense, it requires putting down selfish ambition, to put down our shiny opinions that we value so much. We have to put down our own expectations and plans. Um, I need to get TJ to mess up. You know, what, what can it look like to live this out? You know, maybe you get pulled over by a really unkind police officer. You know, submit to Jesus in that. Say, yes, sir. No, sir. I'm reaching for my wallet now, sir. Not because you should be, be a little by his authority, but by having that actual submission, you are exemplifying the character of Christ. You know, being able to accomplish neither Christ like nor safe. It's not for your own sake, or even really for the sake of that officer, but it's for the sake of Jesus, because what he's commanded us to do. When we live in such a way, we come to know Jesus better. We need to see the world through his eyes. Maybe when you go home this summer, maybe your parents are going to impose hospitals on you that you're like, I have to follow rules like this, and I was really annoying at college. Obey them. I'm just in your actions. Don't pick a fight and then do what he said anyway. Like, she just went to Christ. So then you can obey them with a good attitude. Respond out of love. You know, maybe this moment we're trying to hold you accountable with something. Don't be defensive. Don't blow them off. They're trying to help you fall in with Jesus well. You know, I'll myself up, but I'm also still growing in the spiritual discipline, right? My mom came to visit me recently, and she just wanted some selfies outside, but it was cold, and I didn't want to do it, so I gave her a hard time. That's not it, right? I used to work. Honoring her is more important than my temporary discomfort. Staying out in the cold for two minutes would have been worth it to make her happy. We have to let go of our preferences and opinions in order to love and people well, in order to walk in the example of Christ. It is a spiritual discipline, right? It's going to take time and effort to grow. We have to be intentional about this. Jesus has commanded us to give preference to others over ourselves, to obey his commands to live submissively, trusting in the one who judges justly. For our response time tonight, Here's some time prayer. Um, the number one thing I want to focus on um, is repentance. Of all the times when we picked our own preferences in our own way over the other person, the times when we chose ourselves over submission to Jesus. And two, I want to spend some time seeking God's heart. We will understand that for us to live across life, we must walk in submission and obedience to Jesus. And maybe that's asking for the fruit of the Spirit. And it's asking for patience and peace and love and self control. Thanks for listening to the Troy Chi Alpha podcast. For more information about the ministry of Troy Chi Alpha, you can look us up online at troychialpha.com. You can email us at troychialpha at gmail.com or find us on social media at Troy Chi Alpha. Thanks for listening.